0: Welcome to the Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. Any believer's life will go epic when they discover the indwelling life of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining our podcast today. As we unfold more of the truths of who you are in Christ. We are excited about the new men's group in Phoenix that has adopted the Going Epic series as your Bible study that you're doing. And we encourage anyone, really, to log on to our, our podcast list by going to our website. And you can, uh, list, as this group is doing in Phoenix, you can listen to the podcast on your laptop. Put it over a PA system if you want. Have others listen to it. But epic is a very popular word. And if you know me at all, the, you understand that I am a tag word specialist, so to speak is I capture tag words off of ministry sites, movie sites, and whatever. And I use those tag words with our material so that when people do a search engine on Epic or if they do a search on any of these words that I want to capture them, I want our podcast to show up there, our website to show up there, or a book or whatever it is that we're, we're working on. And that's how we're doing this. So I want us to take a look at the term epic. It is telling a story about a hero or about exciting events or adventures related to this hero. It's extending beyond the usual or ordinary life and reaching into the supernatural life. Now that's the official definition of epic. Now, on the secular side, the unbelieving side, epic, typically, is related to the supernatural. You, from cartoons to movies to whatever, this whole epic hero thing moves and breathes into the supernatural. Batman, Superman, whatever hero you want to put in there, it just moves its way into the supernatural. There always seems to be a dark force force that they're fighting. So when you dial in Epic and you search for things under Epic, which I don't want you to do because there are some very, very dark things that'll show up on the list. Well, I'm going to work on changing that a bit because I'm going to take this word epic, and I'm going to get it out there in the most positive way as often as I can, so that people are getting connected to more and more life-oriented, supernatural life of Jesus Christ. He truly is epic. Now, I find it very interesting how the enemy always comes up with a new word or phrase To kind of pull people away from discovering the truth that will set them free and focus on the darker side of a different kind of hero. I mean, do you understand that there are young people today that'll watch a R-rated or PG-13 rated Batman movie, but they're bored stiff by Bible stories? Do you understand that? That's the norm? Do you understand that the average audio resting your mind, listening to a story like Jack the Journey, for example, is almost impossible for kids today because they are overstimulated with video. They want to see the dark forces. They want to, they want to kill them. They want to laser them. They want to whatever. The standard of training up a child in the way that they should go is almost behind us. Do your own Google research and you'll find out something very interesting is that most children today are raised on the computer. The computer is actually used not only to homeschool children, but to educate them and keep them entertained. Television is used by most parents, Christian, non-Christian, or indwelt Christian. They are used to babysit children because children have become a bother to them. But parents, if you're listening, listen very carefully. Children are hunting for Heroes. And if you can't open your eyes and see this every single day in these kids' lives, they are hunting for a hero. And if you don't give them the hero, they're going to cling to Batman. Pretty soon they're going to want Batman shirts. Pretty soon they're going to they're gonna want imagery on their walls of a superhero. And what you're not thinking through carefully is the simple fact that these superheroes have a demonic origin to them. But Christian parents are just letting them splatter these images on their children's bedrooms' walls or they want them on their t-shirts or they have notebooks, special notebooks of Batman or whatever that hero is. And it has a demonic origin to it it reaches into the supernatural on the dark side. There's a new movie out where Batman and Superman are fighting each other. They're in conflict with each other. I've already read through it. I've watched the, the, the uh, trailer and I've got it figured out. They're going to prove who is darker. Batman? Batman? Or Superman. You see, this is the principle that makes billions of dollars every day in the lives of these children. And sometimes adults. Epic? We need a hero. Galatians chapter 2, verses 14 through 19. Not speaking straight forth about the gospel. Now that burns in me every day, all day long. When I have people say to me, "How can you walk by that and you pick that up and and my eyes don't even see it?" Like if I walked by, if I walked into a kid's room and Spider Man was up on the wall, bam, eyes open. And then these these believing parents are are they were just. Completely naive and blinded to it. But if I said to them, why do you have a demon on your wall? <laughs> They're going look like, to look at me like I'm insane. Spider-Man's not a demon. He's a good guy. Superman's a good guy. Now I'll tell you who the bad guys are. And then they'd be able to give you a list of the bad guys. Have you ever heard of the good and the bad side of the tree of knowledge? It's on your kids' walls. <clears throat> now how can it be that indwelt Christians can walk by this stuff, can be listening to this stuff, can see it on a t-shirt, and it not even bothered them? When people say to me, you know, you're so rich in wisdom, and you look into the depth of the the wisdom of the Lord and things that my mind... I go, open your eyes! Why are you calloused to a demonic world? Why are you paying good money for things that are depraving your child's mind to where they don't even want Jesus Christ as their hero anymore? They don't want to lose the child at the sake of... Want to read the first verse again? If you are straightforward with the truth of the gospel, you are going to offend people. Jesus said, you will be hated on my account. So this whole love thing, and us twisting it around to where it's more of a Godship statement, which is what I wanted to bring out in the video, is this kind of love that we're hunting for out of our children, out of our spouse, out of our friends, or whoever? We're basically confessing that we are ashamed of the gospel and we don't want to be straightforward about the gospel. That's what's happening here. Because if we say very respectfully and lovingly, pull that parent aside and say, um, I would not have that image on your child's wall. If I can't find Spider Man in the Word of God, it's probably not a hero that I should be investing in and implanting in my child's mind. You can do that to cartoons, you can do that to storybooks, you can do that to anything in life. But the thing is, you're going to get a bad reputation. Just as Paul, when they started looking at him as if he was insane. The man was so incredibly black and white to truth that he became hated even by the demonic world. Because everything was either about Jesus Christ and him crucified or it was not. That is the gospel. So let's take a look at Godship. Godship. There was not and there is not any behavioral or functioning purpose for the law, nor any indirect moral purpose for the law. Now most of us can read that and go, well, that's probably true, that makes a lot of sense. Particularly if you've been going through this series, you're already coming to the conclusion that there's no behavioral purpose of the law, then why in the world do we use it? Why in the world do we use the law on each other and if someone does not fulfill that law to keep us happy, we get crabby? If you're a crabby person, you are absolutely chocked full of Godship. Thank you, Jim. Did God expect the Israelites to keep the law perfectly and completely and thus to function as he himself functions behaviorally? Manifesting behavior that expressed the quality of his own character. Did he? That's like asking a three-year-old to act like daddy. I expect you to take care of this house. I expect you to take care of the outside of the house. I expect you to go get a job. I expect you to take care of us financially. And the list goes on and on and on. 631 items. Now, anyone who has a fairly logical mind would say that's absolutely ridiculous. Yes, it is. To have an unbelieving person that's going to hell, they can't go past go or collect their 200 bucks, to act like God in the level of God in his character, they're the ones that should probably be whipped. You see, it doesn't work. So then we have to ask ourselves what's really the purpose here? Why did God do this to the Israelites? The law is perfect. It's perfect. It's holy. It's just. It's the character of God Himself, it's His behavior. The answer is no. Such behavioral expression requires the presence and personhood of God. That's the only way you can get this done. For me to expect you to act like me, I'd have to be in you and do the acting through you. The authenticness of personhood is the person. Replica is Godship. If you replicate the law, you're functioning in Godship, playing God. 602 292 2982. Any behavior that is not God's behavior in you through Christ Jesus is Godship. Any behavior, even reading your Bibles. If Christ isn't doing it through you, it is you replicating what Christ did for you. The law did not provide the indwelling life of God, nor was the goal for the Old Testament for them to have the indwelling God, Jesus. It was to set them up for it. So the divine life was not made available to, the in, to indwell man until Christ took the death of man in order to give his divine life and that was done through fulfilling the character of God. So now for you to have the full on character of the living God inside you is not a radical statement. As Paul says, it is not a mystery. But to the world and to the wise people of the world, it is a mystery. What's this man saying? It is not a mystery. If it is a mystery in your mind, it's because you have been in a slow fade to be able to discern the dark force from the gold brick road. You, you can't even see the difference anymore. You've allowed darkness on your pathway for so long, you're going, well, you know, Spider-Man's like Jesus. I can't tell you how many times I've heard Christians use demonic figures to say it's a spiritual Christ figure. Happens all the time. I'm not sure Christ is fond of that. I'm really not. Here's our Hebrew. We have two words here today. We have the word, the English word to see, rea or raha, which is like rays of sunshine. It's you see the light. But breaking it down, we have see is out of the strength of the head. It's what you see. So resh is head, actually redhead. Aleph is strong ox. He is what comes from that. Which is where we get to see, observe, perceive, and consider. And then obey, which is shema, is the name and the eyes see. And we put that together and here's what we get. The Hebrew word for obey is Shema which is where we get the word name when we read through the raw Hebrew word pictures it reads to see to see the name but it's not only just that by making use of raha we now have out of the strength of the head the church Christ is head of the church okay he said that himself Out of the strength of the head of the church we see, understand and carry out the activity of what comes from the name has nothing to do with you and it has nothing to do with you even in your seeing the seeing is actually Christ sees his father's name through Steve Finney I have no credit here there is nothing I can hang on to and say, this is Steve Finney. Nothing. So the basic meaning is, by way of the mind of Christ within us, we understand that we must release Christ in us to obey his Father. has nothing to, to do with our obedience. If you're crabby because someone is disappointing you, you're disappointed In your own Godship. That's what's going on. Let's take a look at breaking this down a little further. All those not indwelt by the life of Jesus Christ. And must remain this way are under the law. And they're under a contract. There's actually a contract in heaven on that person's head that contract basically says they are destined to die the second death everyone dies the first death even those two prophets that got sucked up without dying they have to come back and they have to die everyone has to die the first death the second death not everyone has to have I'm not going to get it. But see unbelievers who do not have the indwelling life of Christ are going to have the second death. This there's a contract on their head as soon as they are conceived. And that contract sends them to where their father is going. And as Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are of your father, Satan. Contracts are written by a father figure. Let's take a look at this. Did the law serve to restrain sinfulness among fallen, natural, sinful men, these people under contracts? The Israelis ran off to Baal, chose human leaders, disobeyed, and were taken into exile. Did the law serve as a moral guide to living righteously for them? No, but what it did do is show the guide in which God himself lives by. Have you ever been around a Christian indwelt Christian and you look at them and you say I will never be like them I'll never be like that you you just adjust yourself to where you're looking at them that's Godship you see I am not afraid and I know at 602 292 2982 I'm going to get a few on this one I am not afraid to say I am just as powerful as Paul. Just as wise as Paul. Just as mysterious as Paul. I, I am not afraid to say that. I am not inferior to the most eminent apostles. Because of Christ in me. It's not me, Steve Finney. It is Christ in me. Every one of you should be able to say that. I am not inferior to the most eminent famous apostle. When you compare someone to another somebody, you are acting as God. When you are disappointed in someone, that means you have handwritten in your mind laws for them and they're disappointing you. Thus you get crabby. Religious men, idol followers often try to make the law serve as a functional behavioral. Politicians are absolutely experts at this. Where they take the laws of God, they adjust them in such a way, they write out laws and they try to manage society from these rewritten laws from the law. Thou shalt not kill. it's against a law to kill and most countries it used to be thou should not commit adultery and it was a part of laws in America there are still states that have laws that it is against the law to be homosexual they're trying to get those changed You see, what the people have realized is that by using God's law and putting them into human political policies is that it trapped them into a moral way of living. So now they're having to rewrite these policies. And that's what you're reading about in the news of these candidates are fighting over. What is family? What is marriage? What is, it's right out of the laws of God being revised. Writing to Timothy, Paul seemed to admit that the divine law has been and can be used by man for social and political purposes, of attempting to restrain lawless and ungodly men. Here's what it says in 1 Timothy 1, 8 through 10. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, realizing the fact that the law is not made for righteous men, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers and immoral men and homosexuals and kidnappers and liars and perjurers and whatever else, the is in contrary to sound teaching. That was the normal, natural, neutral standard all the way up to 1940s. Do you understand that? In almost every country in the entire world, this passage was the standard of policy. You see, Christ, God, and the Holy Spirit were the heroes. Whether you believed in them or not, they were the standard heroes. Before Jesus, God the Father was the hero. Everyone talked about him. They had wars about him. They fought. They quarreled. He was the hero. The enemy came up with this crafty way that annoys the daylights out of me. And that is these superheroes. And he introduces them at the age of a child with cartoons. I grew up in an era when you could sit around on a Saturday and watch cartoons. Before my generation, you couldn't do that. And now when I look into the generation today, which I try to survey on a regular basis, it is countless of how many heroes and demonic imagery that is used to capture the heart of a child. And if Jesus isn't carrying a sword or a big bad, you know, clobbering tool or laser beam coming out of his eyes or whatever the case may be, you're not going to gain the attention of the children today. The churches are losing children by the droves. The reason why we have children's programs is because quality teachings of the Lord no longer work with children in the room. They don't. That's the number one reason why family integrated churches have to war with this all the time is because people don't, adults don't want to come and attend a service with their kids in the room because they have to somehow be responsible for them. They're used to sending their children off to another classroom to have another parent teach them, and God only knows what they're being taught. Or they're being sent off to a public arena. And God only knows what those teachers are teaching your child. And what superheroes that they're using. Jesus Christ is no longer a superhero in our society. So therefore, since the 40s, this isn't true anymore. And policy's changing on us. Five, ten years from now, you will see a complete different America. I can assure you, five to ten years, marking today in your notes, check it ten years from now, you will see a complete different country. This will be gone completely. They have already agreed To change the Constitution of the United States of America. It has already been rewritten. Carter tried to bring it in and got in super trouble. It's done, it's finished, it's written in, and it appeals to every religious belief in the entire world without it doing this. Look at the terms that he used, it won't work anymore. We have to have a complete different legal system. Legality is based on laws. And a country doesn't survive without them. Such a political, social, religious usage of God's law by man may serve man's purpose, but not necessarily God's purpose. Any form of law assumes the people are void of inner justice and morality. Your government, my government, assumes you have depraved thinking. Now, see, that messes with my mind. I have to convince people sitting in pews. That they are depraved and going to hell. They have no ability to rightly separate truth and lies anymore. But yet the complete society of laws is based on one simple assumption. And that assumption is these people have a depraved mind. They can't listen to the normal, natural, neutral laws of morality. So we have to put it upon them. Let's take a look at that. Jesus Christ should be that guide. If Jesus Christ lives inside you, that puts the heavy emphasis on the solution to societal judicial problems is Christ in you. Unsaved people need the law. We've already determined that, hopefully. And the law is a tutor that leads them to Christ. So you see, whether you're thinking in these in this manner or not, the enemy is. And the reason why that a Christian parent can put Batman on the wall is because they have not been listening to the inner life of Jesus Christ or they don't have him. There's no discernment. There's no Christ in them saying, that is evil, demonic, don't put it on the wall. It's not there. So if there's no moral law of don't put Batman on the wall, but there's actually advertisements and encouragement for Christians to put that stuff on the wall, do you see what I'm saying? You keep removing standards that are guiding morality and let the people choose for themselves, but they have depraved thinking. They can't make the decision. So when people say ridiculous things to me, I have to be careful not to say it to them. Well, have you ever questioned the fact whether you even have the indwelling life of Christ? To tell you not to do that? It's too offensive. It's like telling a child. We're not going to be doing Batman superheroes anymore. No more action figures people don't even realize those transformer figures that they came out with in the late 60's was a demonic concept a possession right out of the book of Revelation now they're just toys cartoons movies that make billions of dollars that's how it's done they hear Christ from within to live in accordance to the inner and external law so if I'm getting ready to run a stop sign, the spirit of the living God says, "Please stop." But if I have no inner voice, I look to see if there's a cop and head on through. There's no inner moral. There's no inner moral guide. So it's all about can I be caught? Or not. External law. Can I be caught? The reason why we keep guys like Marcos in business is because of a depraved mind. Or a rebellious into all believers' mind. It's what keeps them in business is this principle of the law that I'm showing you. When man attempts to use God's law in this manner for his social, political, or religious purposes, he's abusing God's law but yet at the same time when we hear arguments about which is going on right now in the white house has been the past couple days is our president is taking advantage of a loophole that is in the law to appoint a a supreme court judge who is not going to keep the biblical mandates of policy as a part of his, his policies. That's how it's done. See, they know all this stuff is true. I don't know why I have to sell you guys on it. Our country is based on this. Politics is based on this. We've got to keep that conservative Bible-thumping candidate out of where we're going to go with this new constitution. But yet we have to sell Christians in the pews that we have a serious problem on our hands. Something is really going right. He takes God's law and sets it up and then and then as an independent, they become Godship. They are the basis of the law. So if you're going to fight about the law, you come to us and fight about it. So now we can have law suits so that you can argue your case before human law so the godship of mankind is now the precedent not appealing to god It's not the judicial people sitting around saying we need to stop and pray what god's decision is here on this particular thing that we are faced with on abortion or euthanasia or whatever and a couple of the supreme court judges say well it says right here in the word that thou shall not kill and that the life the value of life and they could go on and on with scripture after scripture and if all of those supreme court judges were in touch with the law of god in them because christ is in them they'd all go this is called a duh gentlemen But that's not how our system is set up anymore. Used to be. You hear presidents and we quote them all the time and put them on brochures and put them on television about guys like Abraham Lincoln. You can walk into the memorial of Abraham Lincoln and be blown away by the incredible number of scripture that's on the walls. Because he based his decisions as a lawyer on the word of God. Well, that had to change. So man invented laws often blended into the Christian doctrines, either as inborn into the nature of man created by God, or as a part of the order of creation, as formulated in the revealed law of the living God. As a product of this stinky thinking, the ideology of natural theology is born or this psychological psychobabble that came out of this whole thing is this whole thing about the conscience of man and so as a lawmaker i would automatically assume that people are as dumb as sheep i just need to come up with a system to herd them to where we want them to go and that is what the word of god says So, even unbeliever lawmakers understand that principle that people will just go wherever you want them to go. If you just put up the little yellow ribbon, they'll go wherever it is that you want them to go. And when you get resistors, we'll have to deal with those. And that's what we're seeing. So, here's the deal. Man's self-imposed law becomes a part of the emergent church. Everything's Jesus loves you. Everything's I love you. Everything's mushy-mush. Everything's an external oil. If you feel guilty, grace covers you. Really? What if they're going to hell? What if Christ has invested your entire life of using your guilt and condemnation to lead you to him? And someone comes along and says, it's going to be okay. Is it? We literally are erasing the investment of God of condemnation from the law that's going to lead them to His Son. Satan has come up with a system to put it in place which is the tip of the iceberg of agnosticism. God is external. Ointment. You're okay. It'll be alright. It won't be okay. They're not alright. And someone needs to tell them the full gospel. Not partial. Partial gospel doesn't save anyone. It's agnosticism. The world is filled, the emergent church at 602-292-2982. Rob Bell listened carefully, even if you don't listen anymore. But listen very carefully. The emergent church is agnostic. They believe in an external God, an external Jesus Christ, an external grace. And if you use it as anointment, everyone will feel loved and accepted and forgiven. I am not forgiven until I become born again. The process of becoming born again is what grants me forgiveness. A perfect plan for the enemy is to to use God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in an external fashion. When you hear quote-unquote Christians talking about the Holy Spirit fell down upon me, The Holy Spirit fell down upon our meeting. The Holy Spirit, whatever. They are speaking of agnosticism. It is not biblical. The power of the universe of the living God is living inside this vessel tonight. All of it. How much He decides to use it is His business. He may not use it for years. He may use full on power which I doubt that. At Paul's peak of his most powerful ministry moment he wasn't using a fraction of the power of God. His body would not be able to handle it. But it was in him. All of Jesus. Don't sing those songs that says more of Jesus. Calling Jesus more. It's it's, Saying something directly to Christ, like you, what I do have of you, isn't enough, obviously. It's agnosticism. And that cheap doctrine has blended its way into the doctrines of the church, where I'm not even sure what that is. Because we got our Methodist doctrines, we have our Presbyterian doctrines, we have our charismatic doctrine. Where did we get these? This is how it's formed. We need to control people's behavior. And the only way to do that is through the law. Closing out our message for today, this is the identity matter statement. God's law pertaining to revealing the human behavior practices did not match the behavioral practices of the living God. The Old Testament law had only the two historical purposes. One was... Simply to show the comparison of God's behavior versus your behavior, Stephen. Your behavior, Isaiah. Your behavior, Jonah. Pick a guy like Joni and and most humans would say that boy is not ready for ministry. I mean, God's standing right there and he's you know calling him out of bed, getting, you know, giving him this mission. I'm telling you, your average certification-oriented educator today is going to say, but uh, God, he's not ready. Why are, why are you picking this one? There's a guy down the street that's more obedient than Jonah. Jonah uses his sleep to run from life. Not a good plan, God. Jonah, come forth from thy bed. Rise, Jonah, and go to Nineveh and preach. Nineveh was the most corrupt city in the entire world. It was the capital, not only of the region, of sin. These people didn't know the difference between their left hand and right hand. That is a quote-unquote. These people were depraved. They didn't know the difference between light and darkness, right and wrong, their left hand and right hand. And God's calling this rebellious young man to get up and go preach to him? Oh, it makes a lot of sense to me. See, God wasn't interested in Jonah measuring up to the character of God. He's interested in breaking Jonah while God got something done. That's the God I serve. But that is not typically how we view the purpose of the law. Second one is the need for a savior. Every little even though Jonah tried to kill himself four times in four chapters, he didn't have the guts to pull pull the trigger himself. You know, he tried to get the guys to throw him overboard, and they did. They had to gamble to see who's going to be the guilty party. They threw him overboard. Then he's just drowning, and he's like, finally, it's over. So he's wanting to die as he's dying. And then he gets swallowed up by a fish, and he's like, it's over now. It's finished. He gets sped up on shore, and he goes and walks through Nineveh. And how many people got saved? One hundred and twenty thousand people. That is a large city back then. Every single one of them, including the king, the mayor. Then he gets up on the hill and he's waiting for God to blast, blast him with a nuclear bomb. Because he just assumed if God was going to be this tough on me, he'd certainly be tough on those idiots. Because they didn't know the difference between the right and left hand. See, grace is being introduced. Mercy is being introduced. And Jonah was getting broken down. Because God did love him. God did care for him. And the law was doing exactly what it was supposed to. Failure. You need me, Jonah. It's a beautiful story. So even though the religious and political leaders try to use God's law for their own purposes, man's view of his self-rule reasoning doesn't grant justification for their morbid beliefs. They construct moral systems of acceptable behavior, acceptable social behavior, Acceptable policy behavior. Or they put a system together that is basically self serving, that is going to benefit the politicians, the church leaders, or whatever the case may be. God's divine purpose was very different. From all of this depraved thinking is where uh, our studies of religious and sciences are actually birthed. I was told recently by someone I admire who's got all the degrees you could ever ask for who feels the same way I do about it, is, and the point was but this gentleman said you will never ever see a decline in the world of education until the return of Jesus Christ You will not. It is the thing that Satan has worked his entire earthly dwelling to produce is an educational system to lead people to the tree of knowledge. Not the tree of life. Indwelling, external. In, out. That's the whole deal. So whatever we talk about in our fancy sermons... It'll either be about the tree of life or the tree of knowledge. So you go look at your Batman cartoon books. Find your superhero. Try to to enjoy the epic of these demonic characters. Go ahead. Make God's day. But I don't want any people listening, no matter what country you're in, Or anyone here locally. To think in any way I will ever support a superhero outside of Jesus Christ. I don't want to know anything but Jesus Christ and him crucified. He's my hero. He's my epic story. And he wants to make my story epic because he lives inside me. The word epic is a good word. It's even got rich history to it before it became part of movies. Epic is powerful, and that powerful life is what lives inside of us. If you're indwelt, but maybe you're not, print off that PDF that was next to the little microphone on the podcast. Not only will you be blessed with the slides we taught from today, but there's a prayer at the end that if you're just absolutely lost on what even to pray, To receive the indwelling life of Jesus. There's a sample prayer there. You can pray through the prayer first. And then just pray your own prayer. It's not these words that get you saved. It's the spirit of the living God that will get you saved. And I thank the Lord publicly, through podcasts, and even here locally, to the unbelievable ministry that is happening out there in the world as a result of this miniseries that seems to be challenging people to really stop and think about really what the law was for, who grace is, and how the two must stay married until we're all put on the new earth. Do not touch the law. It is holy It is righteous. It is immovable. And if you mess with it by saying stuff like, the law has been abolished, as I hear more times than I want to admit to, I worry for you. Don't touch the law. God needs it. He wants it. He invested a great deal to put it into place. And it is what he uses to condemn people. It is what he will use to condemn people on judgment day. It will be the book of law that is opened in front of these people. It, you'll notice on that day, it didn't move. It is still in place. But if it leads you to Jesus Christ, because you realize you're a, you're a failure... And you can't live up to God's behavior? Good. Feel condemned. Feel guilty. But get on your face in front of Jesus Christ and say, I have come to realize I cannot fulfill your law. I want your son since you said he did. I want him today. And you will see a miracle happen after you're done saying those words. And you will respect the law. As if it is God. Because he is. Just as Jesus is grace. You have been listening to the Identity Matters Podcast. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like more information about our ministry, log on to www.iomamerica.com dot org